Welcome back to Absurdity. I am joined uh, by Tony Anoboli. And today, um, Tony, I have, I have a big problem. Why do you have a big problem? Work with me. Do you remember last week when I talked about my Pokemon addiction? Yes, I do. It's gotten worse. Oh, no. Why? I, Why? I, <laughs> what? <laughs> I may... Why is it? I gotten, may or may not. Why is it? Gotten I may worse? or may not. Becker. I may or may not have gone to a used book store, well, like a used items store. Uh-huh. I may or may not. Uh-huh. All right. Allegedly, I may or may not have bought a DS Lite, and I may or may not have ordered Pokemon Sapphire and Pokemon Fire oh, Red geez. versions from Amazon, and I may or may not. Now also be playing Pokemon Sapphire on a DS Lite while also playing <laughs> Pokemon Sword on a Switch. I may or may not have issues. And then I may or may not have friends who like to feed my addictions and buy me merry birthday gifts, merry Christmas and birthday gifts combined that are Pokemon trading cards. Those those sound like terrible, terrible friends who gave you yeah, very I don't know expensive who they are. gifts. And I don't know who they are. Who are but who are incredibly lovely people and have great hair. Well, all of that it's, is debatable. It seems really specific, but I just get that <laughs> yeah, sense like, from the It's gift. suspiciously specific, you might say. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I um, yeah, yeah, I am who I am. So... I'm proud of who I am, and it is what it is. This is the phase of life that I am in. You know what? Happy birthday, Becker. I'm not apologizing for anything. Actually, this might actually be coming out the day after my birthday. I'm not 100% sure. I don't care. It doesn't but, matter. Oh, well. Happy birthday. It, it doesn't. So welcome to Absurdity, an exploration of all things absurd in religion, culture, and society, and my life. Um, and today, we are officially, I can announce this, and we're here. Yep. We are We yep. are live. We it's are happening. The, the Absurd Podcast Network is live. You can go check that out. There is merch. There is, um, there is video content. There are podcasts to check out. You can submit an idea for a podcast, but go check out absurdnetwork.com and go uh, give those podcasts a follow. The new podcast of Beautiful Faith is out with Henry Johnson, so go check that out as well. If you are someone who really wants to be on the, um, you know, the reconstructive journey of faith and, and kind of a more positive conversation around faith in general and building faith, uh, that's going to be the one for you. So, with that being said, Tony, let's dive into let's uh, let's dive do into. It. Wow, three minutes in, legendary. Um, so we're talking conflict resolution, and I actually think this is this is hugely important, mainly because I don't think it's done enough. And I and I think you know the theme of our last couple episodes, apologies and and forgiveness. I think both of them really, I mean, are around conflict resolution, like like there's a large portion of this episode that almost could just be those two episodes repeated, right? Um, because conflict resolution is a huge part of, uh, or, or I mean, of forgiveness and apologies are a huge part of conflict resolution. But I think conflict resolution is even, I mean, it's definitely greater in scope, broader in scope than just both of those things. And there's so much more to it than I think we give it credit. Um, but here's the thing. And, and I, I think this is an important disclaimer to make as, as we dive into this conversation. Uh, I do think it's absurd 
that we don't have conflict resolution as much as like we don't have solid conflict resolution skills in society as much as we should. Um, I do think it's a problem and I think it's a problem when people don't or, or are unwilling to resolve conflict. But here's what I don't want to say. And here's, here's the disclaimer, right? If you are someone who really, I mean, no one likes conflict, but if you are someone who really has an especially hard time with conflict resolution, if you have a hard time being assertive and standing up for yourself or, you know, having those tough conversations, none of this is an indictment against who you are. Please understand that. Um, yeah. I think, right. I don't want anyone to walk away from this conversation feeling like they don't matter or like we are chastising you for being, you know, who you are. But I think the message that I want to send by this conversation is, is to simply say, you are more than that. And I think the importance behind conflict resolution and understanding that about yourself is that you can work on that kind of area of your life and find the tools and techniques and behavioral coping mechanisms uh, to be able to handle conflict because it is something that all of us do and all of us face conflict. But first of all, I mean, so we have the disclaimer. And I think that's the biggest reason why, you know, we're, we're going to talk about it. We'll probably talk about it again. Um, is the fact that like this, this is one of those things that you're going to run into in life. As long as you exist for longer than, I'm going to say about eight minutes on this earth, um, you're going to deal with conflict resolution. Like you're going to have to deal with some form of conflict. And for something that's so prevalent and something that so many people, you know, deal with on a daily basis. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like we don't talk about it enough. Like it isn't something that we, we bring up and discuss. And um, I've, I've been lucky enough to have gone to a church where they had a seminar on it and they were, you know, talking about it. I, you know, the degree that both of us have, uh, we took a class where they devoted a significant portion of the time to conflict resolution. Um, but if you're not lucky enough or blessed enough, I guess, to to be in those, I mean, we don't really talk about it. Mm-hmm. Well, and to some extent, this entire podcast is a form of conflict resolution, right? Because most most of the things that we talk about on here are personal disagreements well, and disputes that, it's a, yeah, that we have. Yeah. It comes with the territory. It's, it's a way of confronting. I think it is, and 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 yeah. discussion. I, I would say is one of those healthy ways that we'll talk about later. But yeah, like everyone has to. I'd deal say with that it. the. I, I think and let me let me be if clear. We, if we honestly asked our reader or readers, our listeners to um to really think about the the past, let's say two weeks, I bet that they can come up with at least three or four examples of some sort of a conflict that they had to resolve. Whether it's, you know, driving in something, you know, their their the restaurant they wanted to eat at was closed, or you know, there's some sort of conflict that they had to deal with. Yeah, and and I do want to be clear when I said that this is a form of conflict resolution, not between parties or people, but this is a form of conflict resolution between us and ideas, cultures, subcultures, traditions, behaviors, things like that. Like yeah. these are these and, and in many cases conflict. conflicts with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is not a we're trying to put someone on blast. So I do want to be clear about that. But I mean, um, I do you, think we you you don't just want to put me on blast, but that's more you hate me kind that's of a just, deal. Uh, yeah, that's just a personal vendetta that I have against you. But yeah. uh, let's let's <laughs> let's do what let's do what we do, Tony. What what let's is a good working or operating definition for conflict resolution? So, um, 
I, I couldn't find uh, a really good dictionary definition, but I did find um, what by all accounts appears to be the U.S. legal definition. So I was like, well, if lawyers use it, it's probably somewhat accurate. Um, so they define it as a process of resolving disputes or disagreements. And it mainly aims at reconciling opposing arguments in a manner that promotes and protects the human rights of all parties concerned. So it's a way of dealing with a dispute or a disagreement that protects all parties involved. Mm. Well, and, and just so we're clear too, uh, that is a legal definition that Tony has access. So he paid, he was billed a hundred dollars for the 10 minutes that he spent to look that yeah. up by a lawyer. Thank God it was um, online. Otherwise it would have been way more expensive. <laughs> now I would, I, 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 had, I, I had to resolve the a conflict in with general. that lawyer. And, and I, what I, what I, okay. So what I love about that definition too, uh, promotes and protects the human rights. So, this is, this is the beautiful part of conflict resolution that I don't think people understand. And this misunderstanding, I think, leads us to either not resolve conflict or to, res to resolve it uh, inappropriately and or with the wrong goals in mind. Um, conflict resolution is not always about restoring the relationship. It's about restoring, um, it's about restoring value and it's about restoring... Um, yeah, it's about restoring value and it's about restoring dignity and agency and power in many ways, uh, in, in many ways. And so I think this is great. And I think it's a good, it's a good thing to jump off of mainly because if you mistakenly believe that you have to resolve this issue so that the relationship can be maintained, I think you will make concessions on your own dignity that you don't need to make. In other words, I think there will be you'll make decisions and you'll make sacrifices that you don't need to make and it will cause harm to you both in the short term and the long term versus, and, and I do mean concession, not compromise. I think comp compromise is a huge part of conflict resolution, right? The, the idea that, that each party is giving something up or meeting in the middle somewhere. Right, yeah. But I want to keep that to be, compromise needs to be necessary compromise, not unnecessary compromise. And you shouldn't have to sacrifice any part of your dignity or who you are or your agency in order to resolve a conflict. And, 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 and I would add to that that concessions are different than compromise. You know, compromise is where you change your position to meet in the middle. A concession is where you say, I'm not going to change my view on this, but I don't need X, Y, and Z. You know, uh, we were talking about like yeah. forgiveness and, and, you know, apologies, you know, one concession you can make is, you know, when you are apologizing, someone goes, Hey, I accept your apology, but I can't forgive you right now. And you go, you know what? I'm willing to concede that. Um, now granted it's, you know, an apology is not a negotiation, but you get what I'm saying where it's like, well, I'm not going to take my apology back or say, but you know what? I'm willing to, you know, I'm willing mm -hmm. to say or concede that you know, this is something that whatever, and you're willing to drop that part mm -hmm. completely without changing yourself. And I think that's important because I think a lot of people, when it comes to conflict resolution, I think we teach them it has to be all or nothing. You know what I mean? Like anything yeah. less than what I believe is heresy and must be attacked with all vigor. And it's like, no, that's basic standard negotiation is you give up something, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. And I, I think a classic example of this would be if, let's say I was married. Um, I know, I think imagination runs wild, right, on this show. But let's say I was married. Tony, if you, as a good friend of mine, start insulting my wife and really start sharing how much you hate her, how much you, you know, wish I'd never married her, whatever with me, and I've asked you to stop or anything like that, um, there is a conflict there, right? And proper conflict resolution would, I think, set a boundary and say, that's not okay to say. You can think it. I can't control your thoughts or how you feel, but like, that is not okay to say. And the boundary might be, hey, we spend less time together because my wife and I, you know, we're one. And if you're insulting my wife, you're insulting me because you're insulting my taste in, in women. You're insulting my choices, my life choices, my lifestyle, you name it. And I know that by hanging out with you, I am sacrificing not just my dignity, but the dignity of my wife because I know that you disrespect her and I know that you don't love her, you know, you don't like her and you actually actively dislike her, right? That would be, but if I think, oh, well, the only way to, to resolve this conflict is for me to stay with my wife and still have my friend at the end of this, then you might make a concession there that sacrifices more of your dignity than you need to. And so I do think, yeah, if you've married someone, like that commitment definitely comes first in a lot of ways. Now, if someone, if a friend is expressing genuine concern, right? Hey, I think your your spouse or partner might be abusive and here are some signs. Like if there's genuine concern there, that's different. But I'm talking about like hatred, ragging on your wife a lot or significant other a lot, anything like that. I think those are the times where, where you know, there's conflict resolution there that's needed yeah. that may not actually result in the relationship between you and the offending party being resolved, right, being, yeah. you know, restored. Right. That was my and thought. then, you know, the flip side is just <laughs> as bad, which is, well, honey, you can be a little, you know, whatever at times, ha ha ha, and agreeing with the offending party, um, which I've seen, you know, I mean, I've seen all different sides come out. Um, and it's ridiculous when I, I that happens. But yeah, I, 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 you definitely have to be willing to concede certain things and, and compromise and understand. So yeah. I think that's, so to me, I think the biggest, um, how do I say it? It's like the biggest, not change necessarily, but um, the biggest way of organizing it, I guess, uh, would be in three categories, right? Um, the three categories that I that I see are aggression, repression, and assertion, right? So you have people who, when they come into a conflict, they are aggressive, right? And they just come out either swinging or, um, you know, they're just, they, they may be passive aggressive, but either way, you know, they're, they're aggressive when they do it. You know, they're, they're, you know, on the attack. Then you have repressive people who just, you know, they take it and deal with it and, and, um, or rather don't deal with it. They avoid it. Um, you know, okay, all right, well, I'm sorry. And then you have the assertive people and the assertive people are not aggressive, but they are also, you know, they're, they're in between, you know, it's a happy medium. They're not going after the other person, but they're also not, you know, just taking it and repressing it. Um, yeah. And to me, it's like, all right, so the key, you know, just even knowing that I think would be helpful for a lot of, humanity like i talk from a church perspective but the reality is like 
just humanity should know that. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to, mm-hmm. you know, buy everything a telemarketer, you know, tries to sell you. And you also don't have to be like, ah, and then slam the phone on them. Like there's an, it, oh, thank you, but no. And then goodbye, click, you know, like you you don't have to be mean. Um, and that's, I mean, sometimes you do, but that's the type, like there is a third option. And the fact that people should know that, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's like, that could be so helpful. Um, what do you think? Yeah. I, I agree with you. And I actually think a healthy dose of, I think a healthy, a healthy way to approach conflicts um, actually utilizes, you know, all three, you know, being aggressive, being assertive, but also not necessarily repressing, but, but maybe overlooking or letting go of, and here's what I mean. There are, there are, not everything needs to have a confrontation, right? Like not every single thing yeah. that we do has to have some big conversation. I could have put avoidance, um, but it's like repression's a little bit yeah. better. But yeah, the three no, A's. Repression is better overall. But yeah, avoidance but is I, part I, of it. It's like, all right, I'm just going to avoid that. Yeah. There are some things that just don't need to um, unless they become a pattern or something like that. But uh, I think the key is understanding the balance. But I think the, you know, the, the proper balance between the three, knowing when you need to be aggressive about something knowing when you need to actually just let something go. And there is no real conflict here because maybe the conflict was you with yourself because you got this narrative in your head or, you know, maybe they didn't even know what they did was or wrong. Or it's just, you know, um, they just, they're lashing out from an emotional place. You know, they, it's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they yelled at you. The conflict that needs to be resolved is not that they yelled at you. It's this, it's other, this thing other thing that yeah, they're taking exactly. their anger from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then assertive, like when you need to speak up for yourself, when you need to be the one that confronts. And I think the other side of that conversation then is understanding which one you are more prone to. Are you prone? And and an easy way to do this, I think, is to just simply ask, like, the last time that I was in a conflict where someone, you know, the last time someone confronted me, how did I react? And the last time I confronted someone, how did I react? If your answer is I've never confronted someone. <laughs> because I didn't want to, or I was nervous to, or I was uncomfortable. Well, then I think that right there is, is an answer to that. Right. But I think there is a, it is necessary to identify which one of these you are probably the most predisposed to do. And in what scenarios, whether it's, you're the one confronting or you are the one being confronted. I think that can be a, you know, a really necessary first step to understanding how you, what your role is in conflict resolution. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, identifying, you know, what it is. I think that's that's huge for sure. Um, so the two the two things that I kind of, that I think when there isn't good training or information, I guess, on conflict management is you end up with like these two camps that I see so often, which is you end up with welcome mats and bullies. Um, and the welcome mats are people that just, they let people walk all over them. Um, they are, you know, just, they never cause a problem. They never do anything. And it's not right. They might not even complain about it um, because they might feel like that's their only job or their only purpose is just to let people, you know, use them, abuse them, treat them horribly. But it's like, no, that's not right. Uh, the other thing is it creates bullies, intentional or unintentional, people who just literally bull their way to always get what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have seen 
both in every social situation I've been in, in every church situation I've been in, in every, pretty much any time there's like five or more humans in a space together, there's, there's a bully and there's a welcome mat. And it's like, you just need to be able to recognize that. Um, because to me, I think both sides are, are not healthy and cause problems. You, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think the difficulty with welcome mats and bullying is, and, and this, is, this is a painful reality, I think, of conflict resolution, is that conflict resolution always involves some sort of, it can be verbal. Sometimes, you know, I've done a lot of peer mediation in high school and college. Um, sometimes it can involve a, a literal written and signed contract or a verbal contract between two parties of this is what we are going to do moving forward. And the problem with the problem is if you don't understand that you can easily become either the welcome mat, or if you understand that too much, like if you take that too far, then you become the bully afterward. And in the other issue that I found, and this is something that I've personally experienced is that you have to be very intentional and you have to be able to identify who you are in this moment because how you respond to someone as a result of the verbal contract or, or, or agreement that you've made with the other party um, when they are you know, crossing the line or violating that contract, all of that um, can be perceived one way by people around you. For example, um, and Tony, you know who this person is. Several people in my life know who this person is, but I'm not going into any more detail than this, but there is an individual in my life um, who I have almost had to file a restraining order against. Um, he came, was very close to filing a restraining order against this person. And they would, um, they would call and text at all hours of the night. They would message at all hours of the night. They would call at one point. Uh, I was getting phone calls every hour on the hour. And when I obviously didn't answer them, then I started getting phone calls every minute every t every 10 minutes basically um and it was it was insane like it literally i would shake with rage when i'd see my phone go yeah. off because it would actually interrupt meetings yeah. it would i need my i need google maps to drive somewhere whatever like it was very disruptive to my life the things that were happening and uh, and there were a lot of in person confrontations or, or in in person interactions that happened that were also very uncomfortable and i finally had to tell this person when they asked me one day, why, you know, why am I blocked? Am I, are you ever going to unblock me? And I said, no, I'm not. And let me be 100% clear here. Um, and, and throughout like blocking for me is something that I do is like, I've only ever blocked two people basically in my entire life. And blocking is something that I do after I tell someone, do not talk to me, do not contact me. Like I have laid the boundaries very specifically. Yeah, and if they violate them, it's not your then I, yeah, it's it's yeah. not your first, uh, you know, you're not just like block, block, block. Yes, yeah. correct. And so this person asked, um, and this is a person who does have a mental health, you know, uh, does have a mental illness. You know, what, um, why, why did you block me? Will you ever unblock me? And I explained it to them again and then said, you violated the boundaries that I've asked. I've asked you not to call after certain times. I've asked you not to message me. Um, I have asked you not to text me. In fact, there was one time on the phone where I, where I laid out that they were not to text me or talk to me anymore. I had a witness in the room with me as I said it to them over the phone. They acknowledged it. And then 10 minutes later, they were texting me again, hey, can you talk? And finally, it got to the 
to the point where I said, do not talk to me anymore. Do not look at me. I mean, we can look at me obviously, but don't say hi to me. Don't talk to me. If you see me, we are not going to interact, period. You are not to say anything to me because Anathema. it was the only way. Yeah. The no, problem yeah. is that yeah. when someone has already gone to that distance to, you know, try to circumvent every boundary you've put in place and, or just straight up ignore them, this is the part where you have to be assertive. And in, in some cases I had to be uh, not necessarily aggressive, but definitely assertive where this person would then approach me when I was surrounded by people who were sympathetic to the individual because of their mental illness. And I finally, and, and they would say, Hey, Hey, Hey. And I can't say more than that because that would actually give away who this is. Um, and I would have to say, you know, you're not allowed to talk to me, period. Do not talk to me. And to everyone else around me, it would sound like I was being a bully. Here was this person with a mental illness trying to start a conversation with me and they don't have any context for the agreement that I've made with him and the, the conversations we've had leading up to this and all the experiences. And so I say, do not talk to me. And they say, sorry. And they walk away. And that's the end of the interaction. Yeah. And, then they, and then my friends would look at me and say, why are you so mean to him? You know that there's this thing going on. And, and, you know, why? and, I say, and I'd have to respond by saying, look, six years of me being patient and giving this person a chance is what got me to the point that when I'm around people who I've just met, I still have to be that assertive with them, right? That's the, I looked like a bully, but in reality, I was being assertive and I was protecting the boundaries that I had put in place between him and myself and that he had agreed to keep um, even though they, even though he had then proceeded to ignore them. But that's an example of, of understanding, like you have to know confidently like what you are doing and understand that sometimes what you are doing may make you look a certain way to people around you. And, and that's an, ex but if you, yeah, have, I mean, that's an extreme example no, too. I actually, yeah, that's a super extreme example. When you started the story, I actually thought you were talking about somebody else in your life. Oh, so I'm was, well aware. It's like, oh, the look hey, on your face said it. There's multiple, multiple versions of the story. But I think that's the other thing is like, you know, I've I've had to do similar, not quite as extreme, but similar things too, where it's like, no, like, no, um, you know, you don't understand boundaries. I think that's a big important part is that sometimes you just have to understand like for for my peace of mind, um, for my sanity, for the health of the people in my life. Because we don't exist in a vacuum. If I'm having a bad day, it's going to affect other people. Um, even if it's just the people in, in my house, um, the people in class with me, you know, it may not affect a, a grand scale, but if I'm having a bad day, I, there's a ripple effect. We don't live in a vacuum. Um, and this is the, the, the reality is like, you need to realize sometimes that it's like, this is beyond that. You know, this is beyond just simply you. And, and that's where it is. It's like, Hey, you need to have that balance. Um, and, and people, and, and I don't think this particular individual was doing it with malice. Um, but I definitely think that they were, they didn't understand that concept of boundaries and they were manipulative, even if it wasn't intentionally so. Um, and you got to realize, you know, I mean, we could do a whole episode on, on just gaslighting and, you know, I, I think that's something that we are talking about. So, you know, maybe it'd be something that we could bring in an expert, um, you know, for, but 
Oh yeah, it's been coming up more and more often. I think I think that is worth yeah, being an expert but, at some point. But, and for those of you who don't know, gaslighting is literally just um, manipulative lying. Uh, it's it comes from a movie literally yeah, called yeah, Gaslight, yeah. and it's where where the main character convinces, or not the main character, but the, you know, the antagonist um, convinces, yeah, the yes. main character that they're insane. That, that all the problems are their fault. It's all in yeah. their head and that the antagonist has done nothing wrong. And so, and it's a form of mind control. Um, so I, I, you know, you have to, you have to recognize that as an individual and we don't teach that, you know, in our churches. And the other thing that I think bothers me on a scale that I think maybe isn't seen as much in my life now, but was much more prevalent when I was actually working is, um, how people who are leaders in the church can sometimes get that way through bullying and really shouldn't be. Um, like a lot of times people who are not emotionally and spiritually mature manage to get into leadership positions in the church. Um, and it bugs me because it's like, man, we should, we should, we should have better people with conflict matches conflict management skills to be able to deal with those type of people and just be like, um, no, yeah, you might give a lot of money, but no, you don't get to act this way. You know, you don't get to treat people like that. You, you, you know, just because you want it doesn't mean you get it that way. Um, and, and we need to be able to say that. And, and so to me, I think that's an important thing to recognize like bullies and welcome mats, like, you know, some I, I've I've had welcome mats in leadership positions where you know somebody who wasn't in a leadership position just did whatever they wanted, and they just okay, and it's like no, you're the leader, like step up. You know, you're the person with the vision. If the vision isn't working, then we'll talk about it. But you haven't even you know put your plan into action. Um, and then you've had bullies on both sides, and where they're just like, well, I want it this way. It's like, well, the world doesn't revolve around you, so sometimes we don't get That's what we news want. To me. It does revolve around you, Becker. That's how I knew it didn't revolve around them. Um, I know your world revolves around so me, this Tony. Is, That's not true. It revolves around a, a different yes. person. Um, so here's the question I have. All right. How, you've, you've been in a church, obviously, that has taught some form of conflict resolution before, correct? Yes. Okay. What was the type? Was it like the straight Matthew oh. 18 or was it more than that? Matthew 18... And the goal was always to get things back to normal. Okay. In other words, okay. the, the goal of conflict resolution was always taught that um, you had to restore yeah. everything to back to the way it was before the wrong happened. Yeah. So that's pretty typical. It's in Matthew 18. And we'll talk about that in a second. Yep. But the question I have is, does the model of conflict resolution that the church teaches and most church teaches teach, most churches teach, there we go. English is hard. Um, do you think that that is, do you think it allows for effective problem solving or, you know, actual resolution? Depends on what your goal for the resolution is. Um, but in general, if I would say effective based on, you know, what, what we're talking about, no, I, in general, I think it's very limited. Yeah. I think it's focused on one form of conflict. And I think, um, Basically, I think it's one of those cast them net a mile wide and broad because you know it, there is a wide spectrum of conflicts and types of conflicts. Um, but never, you know, it, we teach conflict resolution as if it's a one size fits all, and it's not. 
Now, there may be some churches that do this better than others. So please, like, if you're like, well, my church does this, you know, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, we've awesome. done great. Please We're not talking talk about you. Actually, yeah, let us know. I want to hear about what your church is doing, right? And if it's something that can be replicated, I want to yes. bring you on and let's oh talk my about gosh, it. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, like don't don't listen to this and think we're just ragging on every church ever. If your church is the exception to this, like we're celebrating that with you. I, I would even say um, I'd like to be proven wrong. Like I would like the majority of people out yeah. there to say, no, my church does it really well. Like I'd like to be like, oh, cool. Like my my perception of life was was too limited. I would love that. I don't think it's gonna happen. Yep. But I would love that. Yeah. No, I I I think the problem, the problem we have is conflict resolution. Actually, I would say conflict resolution does two is in 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 the church really revolves around two key two key things. Number one, it always reminds you of the guilt that you have before God and the forgiveness you've received, and so you have this obligation um, to do so for others, and it so it pushes you and and sometimes guilts you into acting um, before you're ready to act. Uh, or acting in a situation where you shouldn't be, you shouldn't need to act. For example, crime was actually committed against you, or, or there's an you know unequal power balance between you and the person who offended you, uh, or you and the person you offended. So that that would be um, number one. But number two, I think that conflict resolution is taught in such a way that we say it is important and you must do it, but we don't actually give people the tools to have those conversations and those confrontations. So we'll preach all about how to, you know, why it's important. And we'll, we'll preach Matthew 18, you know, the famous conflict resolution passage, but there's no, there's no nuts and bolts to, we don't actually give nuts and bolts of, okay, well, so let's say I'm in a situation that Matthew 18 qualifies for, right? I don't know how to begin that conversation then. So, because you can approach one-on-one, right? And still do it incorrectly, do it inappropriately, right, yeah, right. do it aggressively in an aggressive way, or repressively, avoidingly. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we don't give the nuts and bolts. We just say conflict resolution is important, and you should do it because God resolved a conflict with you. Um, and how dare you have conflict with anyone else? <laughs> you know, God's church is supposed to be how united and peaceful. And how dare you? How, how dare, dare you? you? Uh, we are t- collectively as a church offended by your conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, and no, we don't ever say I, that. Like, I've never what, heard that said. What, Let me be clear. I'll, I'll go that far. I'll go that far. Like, I'll say, like, a lot of times it amazes me the amount of, and I, I get it is different from a pastoral perspective, right? Um, but the amount of pushback that you get um, from confronting people as a pastor... I just never thought a pastor would do that. Well, why? Why would I just roll yeah. over and, you know what I mean? And just like, oh, well, I guess it's... Yep. Like, I'm here to make you a better Christian. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's my job. And if you're being a jerk, you're probably not going to get into heaven. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah, okay. You, you, everyone's on their path and on a journey. But if like, if you're if you're not treating people the way that, tells me you have Christ in your life. Like why on earth am I just going to be like, well, you know, what are you going to do? Like I should, it's my responsibility to confront you and be like, um, you need to stop. And, and the amount of pushback that you get and just judgment. Oh, wow. I can't believe it's like, what? No, 
Like I'm going to do this because other people can't, you know? Mm. Um, anyway. All right. Well, that was my personal yeah. two minute so, soapbox. That's <laughs> fine. Let's, um, let's actually break down. So, so Matthew so 18, those, famous yeah. passage on conflict resolution. It's not the whole chapter. It's just a set of verses in it. Um, but basically it starts, it starts off by saying, if your brother sins against you, um, and then it puts out this model. If your brother sins against you, first talk with him privately. Which right away, I just want to point out, it says brother, which means clearly uh, that only applies to males, right? Because yes, that's, exactly. um, there's women, no way- Women can do whatever they women want. women can be applied into this principle because it only applies mm-hmm. to males. All right, go ahead. Yeah, just like just like there can only be male elders because it says husband. To, I'm sorry, that's just outrageous uh, to me. Anyway, sorry. okay, okay, go ahead. Um, that was a freebie. I'm so sorry. That All was right, a freebie. That was a freebie. We now we've both had the soapbox. So, um, yeah, if your if your brother sins against you, go and talk with him one on one. If he changes his mind, you've won him back. Great. Uh, if he doesn't, then take one or take two or three witnesses yeah. with you and have the confrontation or conversation again. And if they still say. Um, you know, if they still won't admit wrongdoing and, and, and ask for forgiveness and repent, then you have, then you bring it before the church, you bring it before the community or the body. And then the body says something about it. Um, and, you know, the body weighs in on this. And then um, the last step then is if the person still is unrepentant, still won't turn away from the sin that they've done, then they are ex- um, expelled from the congregation or the community. Yeah. Um, the biggest I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to blast pastors here and I don't even care. The biggest abuse of Matthew 18, I personally believe has come from pastors who are the repressive and avoiding type yeah. of conflict resolver. Yep. It is people who said, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I'm afraid of this. I don't want to do this. I have too much on my plate. So you just go do Matthew this, 18 and then come talk per, to me. This person gives too much or, you know, has too much power or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know of several who, I, I, I know of leaders who've said, I know so-and-so or such and such a person was this way and we didn't want to do anything. You know, we were afraid for our own jobs. We were afraid for our own careers. We were afraid for our own positions and, and status um, to do anything about it because of the power they held. Uh, I have heard that. So instead of advocating for victims, instead it was fear and self-preservation that caused them to allow more people to become victims from the offender. Okay, so a couple things about this that I really want to be clear on. Number one, it does open with brother. And you can go check out, I think it's episode 94 with Sarah McDougal where we talk about this more in depth. But Matthew 18, first of all, is about an equal relationship, yeah. not an unequal relationship. Yeah. All right. Um, number two, it talks about a relationship that exists yep. already. Um, yep. And it does talk about- It's, it's meant to yeah. be Jew to Jew. You know what I mean? It's meant to be believer to yeah. believer. So it's assuming that, yes. you, you know, in, the, in that time, it was, you're members of the same family. So you know each other, you know the stories, you know what's going on. It's from a place of accountability and relationship. Yep. Um, and by the way, I just want to give a shout out to Sarah because she recently uh, got remarried uh, just over Christmas. I didn't know that. to a guy that... Yeah, she just got remarried. You can she changed her Instagram name to her new last name, which I'm, I think it's Offeld or Offield or I, I I don't know how to pronounce it. But just congratulations to you. She is a friend of us. She's a friend of ours. She is amazing in the work that she does. Um, and I just yeah, I do want to say shout out to her and and congratulations to her and her family because um, 
yeah, it's amazing. Her, her story is incredible and powerful and um, to find hope and healing out of it is incredible. But, um, okay, so first of all, equal relationship um, and relationship, established relationship already. You guys are a part of the same community, okay? The third is they sinned against you, not they did something wrong and you're just confronting them on it. But the the sin is personal against you and 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 the sin is like, I can prove like this is definitely a sin what you did. You lied to me you, um, you committed adultery and I, you know, it is like this, there is a clear line of this is sin, not like, uh, I just want to feel bad. I feel bad about this or whatever, or, um, you know, they, they did something to someone else and now I need to go confront them for the wrong that they did to someone else. Um, okay. And number three, um, and this is, (sighs) And this is where this becomes, I think, the most dangerous. Um, I'm trying to think of how I really want to, you know, how I really want to put this, but it's it's the most sensitive. No, it. No, oh, well, never the mind. Problem I'm is I'm just that, wrong. Well, I agree with you, but here's why this is yeah. the most sensitive. Yeah. Matthew 18 takes the entire church committed to justice and truth over the relationship they have with the potentially guilty party yeah. or innocent party. It, it assumes the ethic and moral life is, is attuned to Christ of the church community. If your church community is, for example, if, if someone has wronged you like, and they're a beloved member of your community, and um, you've tried to bring this up and you've, you've had the one-on-one conversation, for example, or, or, or you know, you've had the two-on-one conversation and, and you've tried, but everyone in your community, either you've tried to have the two-to-one confrontation and no one would come with you, or um, you know, there are, no one will stand up for you and no one will, and no one else will follow, right? If you follow Matthew 18, but the church won't follow the last step of expulsion, then um, then that's where Matthew 18 falls apart. Matthew 18 only works when the entire church is actually willing to follow Matthew 18, the entire church. And unfortunately, in all too many cases, many in the institution have proven that they would rather, um, I think, take the side of the abuser or the offender rather than the person who was actually sinned against. Oh yeah, I, I would I would absolutely agree with that. Well, it doesn't happen in every case, but it's a part of humanity that we tend to. I mean, we, we've talked about it in so many different cases, but we tend to see that. And and here's the thing: a lot of times we want to talk about this in a dramatic sense, like a very big sense. <clears throat> but I've I've said this before: it's the little things oftentimes that create the big problems. Um. It's the little conflicts that don't get resolved that tend to lead up to the big dramatic ones. And a lot of times it doesn't have to be domestic violence or anything like that. It can be something like, well, I just want to stand up for every song or I don't really like this instrument or, um, Mm. you know, oh, well, you know, the preacher should preach like this and nobody else is saying that. I, the, the phrase I hate the most, I probably, I, don't, I, I can't say the most. One of the phrases that immediately gets me angry is when they say, I've heard people say, or, or some variation of that. Well, people are saying, or, you know, I've heard people say, or, well, you know, there's talk. I, 
like I immediately disregard it. I'm like, oh, okay, by who? You know, show me the stats, show me the polls you did, like show me the numbers on that. Because if you can't actually cite your source, then I'm going to assume it's just you and you're just trying to be manipulative. And it bothers me because that's a tactic that bullies will do for a lot of little things. And it's these little things that if people could just learn to, to, you know, realize that, oh, that's how this person is. Then when those big moments do come up, it makes it much easier because people are like, hey, no, you know, you, you, we, nobody wanted to do this, but you wanted to, nobody wanted to do this, but you wanted to, nobody wanted to do this, but you wanted to. So I'm a lot more willing to believe the person who says, hey, this person yelled at me and called me, you know, inappropriate names and, and, um, or, you know, uh, they, they treated me in a way that was just terrible or uncomfortable or whatever. It becomes a lot more easier because people aren't just used to folding on the little things. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why to me, it's like, you, you just, you have to, you have to, as a church, be ready and willing to acknowledge the pain and have a system in place where it's like, okay, we're, we're, we're wanting to make sure that healing happens. So if there's confrontation that needs to happen, if there's accountability, like we're willing to do that. And it takes a church that's not only willing to admit they're flawed, but also willing to admit that healing can happen. And I think a lot of churches aren't willing to go there. We don't want to talk about the fact that we might not be perfect. We'll talk about it in general terms. Correct. Like, oh yeah, I'm not perfect. If you one up and like, are you perfect? Are you perfect? Maybe we'll say that, but then I'm like, all right, well then say, you know, say something. Well, I don't really want to air the dirty laundry out. I mean, you know, like I'll talk mm. about some, I mean, there are some things obviously that only stay between you and God, but it's like, yeah, I'll talk about my flaws. I have talked about my flaws. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that has made, you know, the ministry that I've been really blessed with successful with younger audiences is the fact that I have been so transparent. And it's like, look, I struggle with X. I struggle with sugar. I struggle with video games. I struggle with loving Star Wars too much. You know, like, and and it's one of those things that, you know, people laugh, but it's like, no, these are real struggles. Just by saying that, even the little things, um, people acknowledge that fact. And then you're able to then have that conflict because that transparency, that culture of transparency and safety has been set up. So I'm a lot more willing to come forward and say, you know what, I treated you wrong and I apologize. And now we can talk about apologies and forgiveness and all that, but that conflict needs to happen where you are willing to say, hey, you need to admit you did something wrong here and we will help you get through this. We're going to help the victim. We're going to help you. We're going to help the whole situation. Yeah. Um, rather than simply saying, well, we're going to stand behind Pastor X. Yep. You know, we stand behind Pastor X. We stand behind Brother X, Sister X, because they're, you know, They've been here for years or the, and it's like, well, they could be horrible people. Um, yep. It could, it could be that they've been a hiding this or you've allowed this and, and you have to confront that reality. So to me. Yeah. Um, but wait, wait, I do want to clarify yes. one thing because you buried a, you buried a lead that I don't want anyone to get any idea of uh, the examples that Tony gave of things he struggled with. doesn't mean that he's like actively going out and doing those things to the level that, that, that like some people get the idea of. So let me, let me be clear. Right. So saying you struggle with star Wars does not mean that you spend all day watching star Wars movies. 
and I don't want anyone to take the first thing that you said, which is struggling with sex, as you were going out and rampantly I said sh- frolicking I said amongst beds. What are you talking about? No, you. Yeah, that, yeah I didn't say that. Um, so I just want to be clear yeah, and no, not let like anyone walk away thinking any more. That's like, the idea. And I want to like, honor yeah, that yeah, transparency yeah, 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 that you course. gave. No, 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 no. But that's the whole thing. It's like that's that's the point. Is you know what I mean? Like, hey, it's not crazy. Um, there are things. If I if there was something that was in, incredible that I needed to go to help with, I have gone for it. Um, but that's the whole point. Is like it's not something that's debilitating. But being able to go up and say, you know what? I I talk about Star Wars too much, you know, in a conversation. Or I struggle. All right, let's put it another way. I I don't read my Bible as much as I should have, and that's an easy cop out. But it really is true. And it's like I really struggle with that. And the amount of people are like, me too. Like I really want to read it more. It's like, yeah, you know, um, it's a real struggle that people have. So thank you for for clarifying that. Yeah, um, I just I just really wanted to be clear there. That I'm yeah. sorry. I just well, I, I felt that that was important. So it sounds ridiculous, but to me, I think some of the examples, some of the extreme examples that we have um, right now of non confrontation. I mean, you obviously you have the extreme extremes like Nazis. Um, you know, hey, they're killing Jews. Why? Because we, you know, England let them and France just let them. And, you know, they just allowed these things to happen because they didn't want to create World War Two. And by not by avoiding it. Oh, you mean like what, what we're doing with China? Not, oh, God, I don't. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, <laughs> just. Ugh. But yeah, like that type of thing where it's like, well, we're going to turn a blind eye because of economic reasons or we want to avoid something like you're going to create a problem. Yeah. Um, it, avoiding the issue, avoiding rights, um, always creates an issue in this earth. And then also remember that God, you know, for Christians, God's watching and he's seeing that you're allowing terrible things to happen and not doing something about it, um, as a country, yeah. as a, as a people group. So that's like the extreme example. Um, but then you also have like small examples, like, um, what happened at Mars Hill with, um, Mark Driscoll, Mark Driscoll. Right. Or Rob Bell. Because there's two there's also, two Mars Hills. Yes. I mean both. I mean, here's the thing. And I think with Rob Bell, it's like, all right, well, what do you, you know, I mean, he kind of was on his own journey. But with Mark Driscoll, definitely it was like when when someone when did the confrontation happen? Did it happen when what do you mean? It, when, when things went too far? Could it have been stopped had there been more confront you know what I mean? Like uh, no, it happened, but wait, it happened, it happened after exactly. things had already. Yeah. And, and so you look like at that, it was discovered. You look at that and you think if someone had just stepped up and to, because, because it's, that's a type of situation where it was obvious. A lot of people were aware of it. Um, you look at like John Christ, you look at, I mean, there's just a plethora of issues that are going on. And it's like, how did it get yeah. to this point? I don't think, uh, what was that one pastor that like hired a hitman? To kill his oh no he 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 didn't hire but he was it was conspiracy conspiracy, right like it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't an elder but it was James James McDonald yes there was a whole conspiracy to hire a hitman started that way I don't think day two of his ministry he was like all right I'm gonna find one of these elders and I'm gonna you know what I mean like I got five grand to kill yeah I don't think he started that way but I think in my personal opinion it was this lack of confrontation and lack of resolution that caused it to get to that point because people avoided it because they stuck their heads in the sand. 
it caused people to get to that point. And it's like, you need to be able to say something. Now, here's the thing. If they don't listen, that's on them, right? Mars, you know, yeah, Mark I will say, like, Tom, we like, don't know the ins yeah. and outs of. It, it, all of that could have happened. You know, neither of us are aware of all the details in that situation. So it still could have happened. But the reality is like so many of these situations, nobody just, nobody said anything until it was too late. And by then it's like, well, it's a, clearly nothing is going to get resolved because you, people continually refuse to have that confrontation, you know, to, to step up and say, you know what, this is wrong. And again, if they don't listen, that's their issue. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I can think of so many examples. Well, and, and, and you know, just on a, on a lower level where that would have helped. Yeah. Now, I will say, and, and our conversation cut out a bit, so I don't know if you said this, so I just want to make it clear that I'm saying it now, um, is we don't know if anyone did confront James McDonald, Mark Driscoll, or any of these other pastors, you know, Perry Noble, on their, you know, on their issues before they became what they became. So we don't actually know. We can't confirm it. We're not saying we know, but we're saying that conflict, you know, confrontation and proper conflict resolution can prevent those scenarios. In other words, you protect victims and you protect the offender from becoming an offender. Like that's the thing is it protects everyone. It protects you, potential victims and potential offenders. That's who it, that's what I would, I would even say on a, not a lighter example, but maybe a less, intense example is what's kind of going on right now with Hillsong United. Um, did you read the article that they wrote um, kind of about how like they're all struggling? I did not. So they wrote an article and, and this maybe even be a topic for another uh, episode, but they kind of wrote this article about how they'd kind of lost all their spirituality. Like they didn't want, they were burned out. They didn't want to do it anymore. Um, they were kind of just doing it for, um, you know, the, the, the rhythm of it more than anything else. They didn't really believe in it anymore. And I think even that's a situation that while there were no real victims other than the people themselves, someone in that situation, I, I think that's one that could have been avoided with good conflict resolution by stepping up and saying, hey, guys, this isn't okay. Um, the example I would throw with that yeah. is you look at, um, now I don't know if they, if it, if it, happened again but um oh my goodness uh they did a garden need to breathe right with need to breathe like need to breathe was confronted by someone they said hey you guys are not living christian life and they went out and publicly apologized and they were like hey while we were writing these articles while we were doing this tour we were not living a christian life and we want to apologize for that now whether that was sincere or not but that's Mm -hmm. an example of like hey they were able to stop it they were able to keep doing um, their music and and not getting burned out and not getting to the point where they felt like oh this is a farce because someone was able to step up so I think there's a lot of advantages to to having that level I mean again you know on a I don't I I can't use personal examples because I don't want to put people on blast but I mean I can you and I have how many mutual you know ex-pastors that we know of that had people confronted them who knew about this situation. And you know what I mean? Like now it's, it's just become a whole thing. Yep. You know, we, we, there was a situation, I think a couple of months ago that you and I were talking about because you know, and it just, it came from, it came from, it came from a place where nobody was willing to confront this person, um, especially the people closest to them. I mean, I can think of another, another yeah. one a few months ago and I know I'm being intentionally vague, but it's like, 
there were like two or three, I think, that popped up like in the same area in the same time because people weren't able to confront someone and say, you are doing things that are not okay. And, mm. and I think having healthy, talking about healthy conflict resolution, um, talking about obviously the logistics of Matthew 18, you know, we're not knocking Matthew 18. We think that's a good model. I think that's a good model. I won't speak for you, Becker, but I think there has to be some logistics to it. And I think that you can even take that model and apply it in a way that is, is unhealthy. And so you have to be able to train people on how to do this um, or get professional help. So I, here's some, to me, I just wanted to list out like some ways that I thought were healthy for um, conflict resolution. Becker, throw in any that you want um, or interest me or whatever. So um, a big one that I think is healthy is mediation, right? Um, Which I think would be the two on one, the second part of Matthew 18. I would put that there. Which yes. is someone comes in and, you know, this not is a taking, problem. They may not be taking yeah, either they're side. They're not taking either side. They're literally neutral. They're trying to say, hey, how can we get to a place where healing can start, right? Um, a lot of times it, it's not, you don't want to mediate. You have to know this. You have to know where mediation works, right? Like, I don't think mediation applies in an abuse situation, but I think someone said something offensive or did, you know, in, in, in lesser conflicts, I think mediation can work. Um, accountability, right? I think that's a huge one. Um, when, when you specifically go to the part and say, Hey, um, we're both struggling with this. Let's hold each other accountable. And so knowing that yeah. or having a spirit of accountability and being like, Hey, we're doing this, because that can help so much in healthy conflict resolution. Um, having structure actually in place, um, even if it's just like, hey, you know, done the night before where you just say, look, this is what we're going to do. If, if it gets too heated, you're going to have two minutes to talk. You cannot be interrupted or whatever, you know, just having a structure for a conversation um, that can help, you know, intentional structure. Um, having intentional safe spaces where people know that they can come in and say, look, I don't like X or this, or just, you know, swear, God forbid, you know, where they can just come in and just be like, um, blah. I think that helps so much sometimes because then once they actually say it out loud, you know, sometimes it can be easier to confront or it can be easier to resolve and say, you know what, like you were saying, you know, I can concede this point. It's not that big a point. I just needed to say it out loud. Now that I got it out there, it's not that big a deal. Um, mm. Getting professional help. I think that's another huge one, right? Like being yep. willing to say, we cannot resolve this without somebody else stepping in. Um, and when I say professional, I, I, I really mean more like outside help. I think obviously a professional you know, mediator or whatever, that might be going a step too far sometimes. But, you know, conference officers, um, other pastors from other churches, you know, people from the outside, not brought in to be manipulative, like to use as ammo from your side, but to say, hey, can you help us resolve this issue? You know, half of our church wants to build a new building. The other half wants to renovate. Um, can you help mm-hmm. us resolve this? Because it's it's going to split our church if we don't talk about it. You know, um, that that can be helpful. Yeah. And it can help even these little things that can blow up into big things. Yeah. 
I agree with that. And and to add to the point about mediation, you said it it, it is effective in, in little conflicts, but I actually think too that it's effective in big, big conflicts where it actually would be unsafe for both parties to try and have this confrontation oh, or this conflict yeah. resolution yeah. conversation Agreed. together. Agreed. Right? There so I think both ends of the extreme and the spectrum are, are, are you know, both extremes are are where mediation is is necessary yeah. and helpful. I think another good thing in healthy conflict resolution, this is a step that I personally follow. It happens to be how I handle conversation or, you know, how I handle conflict personally when something, when someone has wronged me stabbing. deeply. Um, no, patience, oh, okay. um, but also stab, pa- patience, patience stabbing. stabbing. Um, no, but, but being patient and here's what being, and what I mean by being patient is being patient with yourself. If you have been wronged, um, one of the things that I've learned to do is to shut up and wait until I'm in a place where I can have this conversation rationally, uh, a place emotionally where I can have this conversation. And, and when I say rationally, it doesn't mean that it's without passion. I may cry. I may be angry, I, you know, but it's where I can communicate rationally. I can communicate clearly and I can listen to the other side because it may be that the wrong that was done to me, there may be something that I don't understand about it that may not, you know, it may not be what it actually, you know, what I perceived it to be when I was so angry. And acting before you are ready to have that conversation can actually make the conflict worse. And so being patient with yourself and allowing yourself to process emotions before you have the conversation um, and process those emotions healthy uh, in a healthy way. One of the things that I'll do is if I feel wronged, I'll go to someone else and I'll try and explain it as objectively as I can and basically say like, am I in the wrong here? Do I, am I wrong for feeling this way? Is it in my head? Or is there something here that I should at least investigate? Not, am I right? Just, you know, am I okay for feeling the way I am, uh, given what I know? Is this something I should pursue or is this something that, you know, I'm clearly misunderstanding, not seeing something and I just need to get over it maybe. I don't know, you know, something like that. But it's to trusted individuals. Um, And then the other thing that's really great for conflict resolution, and this also goes with with processing emotions, but um, write out what you want to say. What I've done is I've typed out emails or I've gone into my notes app especially um, you know, a big thing that millennials and, and Gen Zers will, will experience is this desire to send long text messages when you're angry at someone. Um, instead, type that text message out in notes first, and then don't send it. Write a letter. Write it out with your hands. And, the Lincoln uh, letter. type yeah. it in a Word document. Yeah, don't actually, but you don't need to send it. Um, that can help get a lot of the anger and, and residual you know, negative feelings out of the way so that you can have that rational conversation. But but getting your getting yourself to a place where you know having professional help for yourself, um, having a therapist, having a counselor that can help you process those things, all of those help in process re- resol- uh, in, in conflict resolution. Because the best thing you can do for other people and for conflict is to take care of yourself. Honestly, is to put yourself in the best position to succeed and to create an environment, like you said, you know, a, a safe space for for all parties to. Be successful. And what I mean by be successful is to be the person that all of you were called to be, to restore it, to get you on the right track, to create an agreement that works, uh, you know, a verbal contract that works for everyone that, that gets us back to where we need to be so that we can put this behind us. Um, and maybe not back to where we need to be, but where we need to be moving forward so we can put this behind us. And maybe that's not friends or, you know, significant others or whatever. But I think those are all really, really important things to do. The other thing is typing out things that you need to say and bringing those to the conversation. Um, and th- to make sure, you know, if you really struggle with, you know, thinking of things to say or with your memory, 
writing things down can be really, really, really helpful. Um, and um, I think if um, pastors, I would say this, especially for pastors, but if, if you are the person who has wronged someone and you know that to be the case, or you're wanting to resolve something and you know the other person for whatever reason, whether it's a misunderstanding on their end or in reality, that they don't feel comfortable talking to you for some reason, um, putting yourself in a position almost as a, at a disadvantage posi- disadvantageous position in the conversation can be helpful. For example, if I'm a pastor and I hear that one of my members has an issue with me and they don't want to talk to me alone, I'll say, would you like to bring a friend? You can both talk with me. And it's the two to one, but I'm intentionally setting myself up as a two to one so that that person can actually feel safe in that conversation with me. So those are the things that I would add to this. And mostly they were self-care directed, but I think those can all help in conflict resolution. Yeah, no, I think that's huge. Um, final thoughts? Um, I feel like those were, those were them. Yeah, I think those are, those are, I think that's it, man. I, I do. I think, um, I think it's good. If here, let yeah. me say this. If you are in a place where you, there's a conflict, you know, you need to resolve, um, it's okay that you don't resolve it right away, but I would encourage anyone who is in that position to really consider, um, you know, getting back to work on that conflict and, and to, to, to try and bring it to a resolution. Yeah. Um, don't let things fester and sit and grow. Instead, address them and deal with yeah. them. Um, ask some friends for a counselor in the area um, ask for you know a, you know a a someone that you can go to to get professional help for mm-hmm. and talk with family mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. close entrusted friends that are separate from the situation yeah. um, anything like that but don't just let this sit and if you're in that position and you're scared I hear you I'm I tend to be pretty good at dealing with conflict I like I pre- tend to be pretty direct and communicate decently clearly not always don't get me wrong um, but that doesn't mean that I'm any less scared than anyone else when I'm dealing with conflict, I hate the conversations. I can't stand them. Um, and I'm scared of them every time. So please know that you are not alone. The, the encouragement there is that I hope you will not let that fear stop you from becoming the person that God is wanting you to be. And God is calling you to be, and don't let hatred, anger, and hurt keep you from that future. So that would be my final thoughts. (laughs) Um, Tony, you want to end it there? Is that, or do you have anything you want to add? Jeez. Um, uh, all right, I will add this, because I am a nerd. One of my favorite films, and I'm not a huge fan of the trope of um, the white savior complex, but I love The Last Samurai um, with uh, uh, Ken Watanabe and, and Tom Cruise. Um, and the concept of it is this uh, fight with honor, this concept of fighting with honor. Um, that avoiding conflict is best wherever possible, but when you do fight and when you have to fight, fight with honor. Um, you know, he, he, Tom Cruise's character, he, he has trouble sleeping, he's an alcoholic, he's all these things because, you know, in his past while he was a warrior, he, he fought without, you know, honor or he fought in a conflict that didn't have honor. And so he learns this idea that, you know, you can, you can fight with honor. And I think that to me is the the part of conflict resolution that I think for me was, was a big thing. It's like, if I'm going to, you know, if I have to have this fight, I'm going to fight with honor. So at the end of the day, I can, you know, I can sleep, I can sleep well. And I can look back and say, Mm. 
I didn't want to do this. I did everything I could to to not avoid it, but to lessen the impact of it. And when it did come, I fought with honor. And um, mm. that's what I'd say with this, you know, conflict resolution is, it yeah. is a fight. Some Sometimes fights need to happen, um, but fight fight with honor and dignity and you will you will be able to sleep at night and, and hopefully you'll do a lot of good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, go check out absurdnetwork.com and check out the other podcasts that are there and give them a listen and support. Thank you guys so much for your support for Absurdity and everything that we're accomplishing and doing. Um, and if you have any feedback for the show, our contact info is in the show notes. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.